Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Well, hey there. Good morning or afternoon or evening, whenever it is you're listening to this. I'm Dinosaur George. Welcome to all my future paleontologists and all my friends from around the world. Our little podcast is growing, growing, growing. The last report I saw, we are listened to in over 50 countries. And I saw a list of nearly 700 individual cities and towns where people are listening. And so for everyone out there, for all of you, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate it, how much fun this is for me to be able to hear from so many of you. A couple of shout outs. Let me jump on to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. And let me read a couple of comments from those of you that are on there. I would encourage all of you to join. This is a great place to send me questions and to give suggestions for this podcast. So you go to Facebook and you look up Dinosaur George Kids. Now there's a Dinosaur George page, but that's not the page that I use to answer most questions. That page, we kind of use it to promote where I'm going to be, what we do, that kind of thing. The Dinosaur George Kids page is really a page for people who love dinosaurs. So let me see. This is a message I got. It says, hi, my name is Leo and I'm three years old. Hi, Leo. How you doing, buddy? Leo says, I, li- I like to listen to your podcast while I draw dinosaurs or eat breakfast. Oh, I'm so glad you're an artist. I'm very proud of you, Leo. Uh, I was wondering if you could have a show about Dimetrodon. You know, that's a good suggestion. And I'm going to add Dimetrodon to the list of, of topics. I think that's an absolute great topic. Uh, Leo also wants to know if Dimetrodon is a dinosaur or a lizard. And thank you so much. And um, you like to learn about dinosaurs. Well, Leo, normally I would answer your question in the Ask Dinosaur George segment, but I'm going to answer yours right now. Dimetrodon is not a dinosaur and it's not really a lizard. It's kind of sort of in between those two. I know that's confusing, But Dimetrodon fits into a group we call mammal-like reptiles, meaning they're kind of like a mammal. Now, its legs are out to the side like a reptile, but its skull is designed more like a mammal. So to look at Dimetrodon, you would immediately think it's some sort of lizard. But that's not really what it is. It's kind of, it looks like one. And also, if you look in books, and sometimes when you get a bag of dinosaur toys, they always put a Dimetrodon in there and you go, Well, then this must be a dinosaur because it has a big sail on its back. Well, that's not true either. Dimetrodons lived before the age of dinosaurs and were gone when the first dinosaurs appeared. So Dimetrodon is sort of its own animal, and I will certainly do a podcast on that. I think that's a great suggestion. And so thank you, Leo, for listening. And uh, I'm glad. And by the way, I'm glad you're eating your breakfast. I hope you're eating all your food. And I'm sure your mom and dad tell you, Leo, you're supposed to eat all your food. So as long as you're eating your breakfast, you can keep listening to the podcast. But if you stop eating your breakfast, they may have to turn the podcast off for a moment. (laughs) 
And you're welcome, parents. That was for you. Okay, let's see who else wrote me. Uh, Kyrie from Edmonton. Want to give a shout out to uh, my friend in Edmonton. I love Edmonton. As a matter of fact, Kyrie, I go to Edmonton once a year. I used to up until the last couple of years, but hopefully I'll be back. Kyrie sends a great list of suggestions for podcasts. Micropachycephalosaurus, Herrerasaurus, Triceratops, Styracosaurus, Pentaceratops, Pterodactyl, and Smilodon. All very good suggestions, and I will do whatever I can to answer those or to include those. Okay, then my two sons, Alex, age 10, and Liam, age 7, love your podcast, and we're anxiously awaiting every new episode. I'm so glad. They are currently lying in bed listening to Acrocanthosaurus. Well, that's a safe place to listen about Acrocanthosaurus because you wouldn't want to be outside looking at one while you're learning about it, right? You're right, Alex and Liam. You guys know what you're doing. Be inside safe in case there's an Acrocanthosaurus outside. (laughs) They live in South Africa and Alex wants to become a paleontologist. Hey, great, great thing to hear. And as a matter of fact, Alex... Uh, And Liam, I saw your questions on the Ask Dinosaur George segment, so I'm going to go in and answer your questions in just a little while. Uh, Let's see. Um, 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 uh, Uhtred. Hey, three-and-a-half-year-old Uhtred loves dinosaurs. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to hear that. That's so cool. Uh, And let's see. Uhtred, I think you sent in a question, and I saw it. Also in the Ask Dinosaur George segment. So I will answer that in just a minute. Uh, let's see. And that is, uh, let's see, found your podcast. Uh, oh, that's so cool. Okay. So if you guys would like to contact me, do that through the Dinosaur George Kids page, and I will try my best to answer all of your questions. All right. Let's get into the feature creature. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. I want you to get out a pencil and paper. And write down the name of today's feature creature because I want you to go look it up. I want you to try to find this animal so you can see it. I'll describe it to you, but you've got to see this thing. Its name is Smilosuchus. S-M-I-L-O-S-U-C-H-U-S. Now, if I went too quick, just rewind this podcast and listen to it again. But let me spell it one more time. S-M-I-L-O-S-U-C-H-U-S. Its name will be in the title of this podcast, so you can get it from there as well. Its name means knife crocodile. Smilosuchus is an incredibly cool animal. I have the skull of a Smilosuchus about 25 feet from where I'm sitting. Its name is Noah. It was named after one of my very best students, um, uh, Noah, because he loves Smilosuchus. In fact, this episode, this podcast topic was suggested by my friend Noah since he loves Smilosuchus so much. So I have a Smilosuchus skull and it is an amazing looking animal. 
Now, first, this is not a dinosaur. Smilosuchus is not a dinosaur. And it's also not a crocodile. It's something else. Smilosuchus is estimated to be anywhere from 7 to 12 meters long. That means possibly almost 40 feet long if they grew that big. Think about that for a minute. Think about the size of that animal. This is a huge creature. It lived in the late Triassic between 221 to 205 million years ago. So this is an animal living in the later part of the Triassic. It's living alongside of dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are living with this animal. It's found in North America, especially in Arizona. To give you an idea of the size of this thing first, before I describe what it is, its skull is nearly two meters long. Its skull is five feet long. That's huge, man. That's just the head. That's probably as tall as some of your parents. And that's just the skull. Now, imagine if you can a crocodile that has longer legs, that has an elongated body with a really long tail, but it doesn't drag its stomach along the ground when it walks. It walks with its legs under it. It's walking around like more like a mammal than a, a, a reptile. And this is a huge predator. This is a big animal. Well, it kind of sort of resembles a crocodile, but that's where the the uh, the similarities end. Just because you look like something doesn't mean that you're related to something. There's something called uh, convergent evolution. And what those big fancy words mean is that there can be two animals that look similar, but they're not related. The reason why they look similar is because they live in the same kind of environment. Let me give you a for instance. You all know what a dolphin looks like or a porpoise. You know what that animal looks like. You've seen pictures or you've seen them before. Well, then there's an animal called an ichthyosaur. Ichthyosaurs and dolphins look very similar. So you might think, hey, they're related. Not at all. They're not related at all. They just look similar because they both live in the ocean and that body design fits them perfectly. You want to look like an animal that's successful. You, you don't have to be the animal. So an example of convergent evolution is ichthyosaurs and dolphins. Well, the same thing with Smilosuchus and crocodiles. On the outside, they look very similar, but they're not very closely related. Because when you look at Smilosuchus, there's a number of things that stand out as being very different. The most recognizable is the skull. First, because there's a big hook at the end, almost like what you see in Spinosaurus. The second thing you notice are the teeth. They're completely different kinds of teeth in its mouth. It has these great big spike-looking teeth in the front. Then as you go towards the back, there are these little tiny teeth in the back. They were serrated, serrated like a shark's tooth. So they're not like a crocodile. These things are serrated. And their teeth look 
completely different in different parts of the mouth. That is known as heterodont teeth. Heterodont means different. So if an animal has heterodont teeth, that means that it has a lot of teeth in its mouth, but they're very different. Humans, we have heterodont teeth. We have big, flat, grinding teeth in the back, and we have sharp uh, meat cutters towards the front, and the very front of our teeth are made for slicing and chewing. So we have heterodont teeth. And yes, there's a dinosaur named Heterodontosaurus. What do you think its name means? Well, its name means that it has different kinds of teeth. So heterodont teeth, this animal has heterodont teeth, meaning when you look in the mouth, you see all different shapes of teeth, not sizes, but completely different shapes. And that's the first thing you see when you look at a picture of a Smilosuchus. It's got two gigantic looking fangs in the front and then these weird shaped teeth towards the middle and then the back, totally different teeth. So this is an animal that had legs like a mammal. That means the legs were, were straight up and down under its body. It didn't drag its tail. Now, it did dra- I mean, it did drag its tail, but it didn't drag its belly. So its legs weren't so long that the tail stayed off the ground. This animal appears to have spent probably 50% of its time on land and the other half of its time in water. And because of these weird shaped teeth, that means this animal was, was created or designed for eating a variety of different foods, fish turtles, dinosaurs, reptiles, anything that fell prey to it. It could hunt like a crocodile. It could use that big flat tail for propulsion to swim. So maybe it sat along the shoreline like modern crocodiles do and anything unfortunate enough to step into the water gets attacked. It may have chased its prey down in the water, chasing fish and turtles and small crocodiles to eat. Or it may have come up on land and ambushed something. Smilosuchus is a, it was the top predator of its time. It's probably, to my knowledge, it was the biggest predator of its time, I believe. It was an enormous animal. But one thing it didn't do is it probably didn't do the death roll. Like you see crocodiles when they grab something and they spin and roll. That isn't how this animal's made. This animal, probably because of the heterodont teeth, meaning the different kinds of teeth, it could rip off chunks or bite right through and rip off pieces. This animal's amazing. But the one thing that really separates it from crocodiles when you look at a picture of one is its nostrils are way up, almost up near its eyes. Not at the end of the nose where you see crocodiles and alligators. This thing's nostrils are way further up. I don't understand why. Now, it certainly could come up, if it's in the water, it could poke its eyes and its nostrils above without showing its body, and that's probably what it was for. Um, But the other thing that I love about this animal is that it had armor plates on its back. It had body armor on its back. Now, modern crocodiles and alligators do too. They're pieces we call scoots, dermal plates. They're like little pieces of body armor. But uh, on Smilosuchus, they were big, big on its back. So I suspect... If it is indeed the biggest predator of its time, those are only designed to stop another bigger Smilosuchus from killing it. It's probably what they're for. So Smilosuchus is an amazing creature. It could have been anywhere between 22 and 40 feet long. If you've ever heard of Dinosuchus uh, or Sarcosuchus, Smilosuchus is running right up there about the same size. This is a huge animal. 
It's huge. So I want you to go try to find a picture of this thing so that you can see what it looks like. It is a remarkable animal. The age of dinosaurs is incredible, but there were just as many amazing, amazing creatures. And Smilosuchus was a member of a group we call the Phytosaurs, and that's where dinosaurs ultimately come from. So Smilosuchus is sort of an advanced animal, but it's living with the dinosaurs, and I guarantee you, if a dinosaur saw it, it's going to stay as far away as it can possibly stay. All right, let's take a brief uh, uh, break. And when we come back, we'll do some Ask Dinosaur George. Do you or someone you know like fossils, rocks and minerals? Our web store is filled with amazing crystals, geodes, real fossils and replica dinosaur claws, teeth and more. Our prices are affordable and we do not add excessive shipping fees. Go to dinosaurgeorge.com and order your items today. All right, this first question, I mentioned you boys before, Alex and Liam, who are from South Africa. Alex, age 10, Liam, age 7. Their question is, we live in South Africa and Alex wants to become a paleontologist. Will he find some dinosaur fossils and possibly what kind down here in South Africa? Well, yes, 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 Alex. There are tons of dinosaurs that come from South Africa. The greatest thing about South Africa is that you have formations from the late Triassic, the early Jurassic, and then some from the Cretaceous. That gives you the opportunity to find some very rare dinosaurs. Now, I didn't write down the list, but there are a ton of South African dinosaurs that have been discovered. And so I guarantee you there's going to be tons and tons and tons of bones out there for you to be able to dig up. I guarantee you you're going to uh, you're going to find tons of dinosaurs. All right. And then little Uhtred, I mentioned Uhtred before. So Uhtred asked, what types of dinosaurs did velociraptors hunt? I've seen velociraptors jump on a T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Would they hunt T-Rex too? What a great question, Uhtred. Okay, so um, first of all, velociraptors hunted anything that lived with it. There's a famous discovery of a velociraptor entangled, and your mom or dad can explain what entangled means, sort of trapped, along with the skeleton of a protoceratops. Now, we know from the fossils, those two animals lived together. And those two in that particular fossil I'm talking about, those two animals died together. And it looked like they were fighting. So I would immediately say protoceratops would be one of the animals. Another one would be um, oviraptor. I think velociraptors would have hunted oviraptors. But they also would have hunted snakes and lizards and little amphibians, I think they would have tried to catch anything. Think about a modern cat, right? Cats. Cats will hunt anything. Lizards, birds, anything they can catch that's smaller than them. I think Velociraptor would have done the same thing. Now, in the movie Jurassic Park, when you see the Velociraptors attacking a T-Rex, that would probably never happen. That would probably never happen because T-Rex is just simply so much bigger. There's just no way that it would be able to survive. Great questions, Utred. Okay, 
uh, Ryder, age eight, from here in Texas. How is it being a paleontologist? Well, uh, Ryder, there's so many different kinds of paleontologists. Now, for myself, I kind of have the best of all worlds. I don't get to go out and dig bones anymore. I haven't in a long time because I've been too busy. But I get to teach people about them. I'm not in the I'm not in the laboratories doing the studies. I'm not doing the research. Now I research because I study them because I like them, but I'm not the one creating that. So some paleontologists work incredibly hard to do all the kinds of things that allow somebody like me to talk about their work. So some paleontologists are are in the laboratories and they are in the fields and they're digging them up and they're sharing their studies. I have no doubt that every one of them that I've ever met, they love their job. So it's absolutely great being a paleontologist, especially if you get to study the things that you like the best. All right, Hudson at age five uh, from Tampa, Florida. What are the spikes and club on the tail of an ankylosaurus made of? Good question, Hudson. Good one. Um, Okay, the tail is actually made of bone, a big lump of bone. And the little spikes on the back and on the shoulder, those are also made of bone. Now, the ones on the back and on the shoulder, those are called dermal plates. We call them scoots. They're little pieces of bone that are kind of stuck into the skin. They're not connected to the skeleton. They're kind of floating in the skin, not moving around, but I mean, they're they're not connected to the skeleton. So when an animal tries to attack, those things are body armor. Now, they're made of bone, just like the club and the tail. But when the dinosaur was alive, something covered those dermal plates and that club. And that's something called keratin. And that's what your fingernails are made of. The keratin covering is what made them sharp. The keratin covering is what protected them. They made them so thick and heavy. That's the thing that defended them. The bones weren't sharp, but the keratin coverings could have been. So they're really made of two things. One is bone. The other is keratin. Okay, Jack, age five from Hopkinton, Massachusetts. Hi, Dinosaur George. My brother Henry and I really love your podcast, and we listen during our car rides on the way to Ski Mountain. Hey, how cool is that? Very, very cool. Well, Jack and Henry, I'm so glad you guys listen. Um. So Jack says, I have so many questions for you, but I'll start with these. My brother and I would like to know how big was Mosasaurus and what did it eat? Second question, how do we know dire wolves hunted in packs? Both excellent questions. Okay, your question about Mosasaurus. (coughs) Excuse me. Boys, make sure and look to see if you can find my podcast on Mosasaurus because I give a bunch of information about Mosasaurus. So go back and see if you can find it and listen to it, because it'll answer a lot of your questions. There was a variety of different Mosasaurs, and so it depends on which one we're talking about. Big ones like Tylosaurus, they could have been 50 feet long, and they would have eaten anything they could catch. Some of the little ones like Clydastes and Placarpus, they were probably made for eating fish and sharks and maybe little ichthyosaurs and things like that. It just depends on which one, because mosasaurs, that's a family of animals. Now, the one we saw in in the Jurassic Park series, that one they called mosasaur, that's not the name of, of one particular animal. That's the name of the family. 
So there's all different sizes. So boys, go in there, see if you can find that and listen to that again. I think you'll like that podcast. And then your question, how do we know dire wolves hunted in packs? Well, that's something that we can't always say with certainty. One of the things about fossils is that they don't always give us all the information. Sometimes they give us a little information. Now, if we find a bunch of dire wolf skeletons together where they all died at the same time, that's a pretty good indication that they hunt together. But like in places like the La Brea Tar Pits in California, they find lots of skeletons of dire wolves. But we don't know if they all died together or if they got stuck in that tar days apart, weeks apart, years apart. So it's very hard to know for certain whether or not animals lived in packs. So what we do to answer that question is we do something called uh, comparative studies with modern relatives. We look at their modern relatives and we compare the behavior. So you can do comparative behavioral studies where, like, for instance, if somebody said, did woolly mammoths live in herds? Well, we look at modern elephants and they all seem to like to live in herds. So we can we can hypothesize or guess that so did mammoths. The same thing with dire wolves. It is a good idea, in my opinion, our solid. It is a it is a solid, good hypothesis to suggest that they lived in packs because there's so many benefits to living in packs. And dire wolves are living with the big saber-toothed cats and they're living with giant bears. Hunting in packs would have kept them safe and made them more successful. Okay. Uh, Uran Kanapin, age eight, from Plano, Texas, says, is Indominus Rex real? It's not. And by the way, uh, if you look at my podcast, I did a podcast on Indominus Rex. Uh, So listen to that podcast and it'll explain in more details that it was not a real dinosaur that ever existed. That was just one that was made up for the movie. I still like it, but it's not the real thing. Okay, let's see. Uh, Saya, age 10 from Plano. Are all prehistoric animals named by scientists? Uh, Are they named like that from the first? Well, yes, all animals that have that have a scientific name have been given that name by a scientist. There are certain rules that have to apply when you name a new kind of animal. You don't get to find a new animal and you don't get to name it. There's a process that scientists go through to make sure that they explain what it is. They research that it is indeed a different animal. It can't be something somebody else has already found. They have to explain that, and then they have to propose a scientific paper that puts it all together and says, here's all the studies we did. Here's what we used to base our opinion, and therefore, we would like to name this animal whatever they name it. So there are rules for doing that. So all animals, all plants, all animals, all life forms are given a scientific name, not necessarily by the person that found it but by the person or persons who wrote the scientific paper. Okay, Victoria, age eight from Austin, Texas. How did the animals in the ocean die? Great question, Victoria. I know you're talking about at the end of the Cretaceous period because I recognized you from a school where I did a virtual lesson. So the question is, I I can understand how an asteroid might impact animals on land, but how did the animals in the ocean die? It demonstrates how all life is connected 
to the ecosystem. And when the environment changes, animals can either adapt to the new environment, they can move to a place that they like better, or they die. Well, if the environment changes very quickly and stays that way for a long time, most animals do not have the time to adapt. An elephant can't magically grow hair all over its body because it got cold. But if it it gets colder and colder over time, generation after generation of those elephants grow more and more hair to adapt to it. But if it happens in, in the span of a couple of days, they simply can't adapt and they all die from the cold. Well, the same thing with animals in the ocean. The weather still affects the ocean. If the sun isn't shining, plankton cannot generate energy by using sunlight. If the plankton start to die, the little fish that eat the plankton die. That means the bigger fish that eat the little fish die. And then the giant fish that eat the medium-sized fish die and on and on and on. So that's how animals in an ocean can still be impacted by something like an asteroid. Okay, Talia, age 11 from Round Rock, Texas. Has they been a dinosaur that has not been classified as a dinosaur, but maybe is a dinosaur? Yes, Talia. Yes, there is. There's a number of instances where scientists have incorrectly identified an animal. You know how I just gave that description of how scientists have to go through all these steps to prove what they found is a new animal? Well, even with all of those steps, sometimes they're working on very limited evidence. And then later on, somebody finds more evidence and it says, aha, we were wrong. Yes, there's been plenty of times where they found an animal they thought was a dinosaur and they named it only to discover later, whoops, sorry, it's not a dinosaur. We thought it was, but it's not. And vice versa. Some people found uh, like, a, like a lizard. They may have thought they found some new kind of lizard only to find out later uh, that wasn't a lizard. That was a dinosaur. That happens a lot in science. The greatest thing about science is that it's constantly changing. It's not right all the time. So that's what I love about science. Okay, my buddy Noah. Matter of fact, the person who came up with the subject, my buddy Noah. Uh, Noah's 11. He lives in Round Rock, Texas. How fast could Meganura fly? Wow. Meganura, for all of you, if you don't know what that is, that's a giant um, dragonfly. Now. Dragonflies today can fly almost 60 miles an hour. That's like 97 kilometers per hour. That's fast. That's crazy fast. And that's the little tiny dragonflies that are alive today. So how did fast could Meganura fly? Well, you can't. Let's say Meganura is, let's say he's four times bigger than a modern dragonfly. So you might go, oh, so if a modern dragonfly can fly 60 miles an hour, then that means Meganura could fly 240 miles an hour. That's not the way it works. There's something called diminishing returns. And what that means is being bigger doesn't mean you can be as fast as your smaller cousins. Look at hummingbirds. Hummingbirds can fly upside down, backwards, forwards, uh, fast as lightning, slow as a helicopter. Other birds that are bigger than it can't do that. And if you took a hummingbird and made it as big as an eagle, it couldn't fly upside down or hover. It drop out of the sky because of the size. So I believe Meganura is flying considerably slower, but you're still talking about a dry, giant dragonfly. This thing was unbelievably, unbelievably maneuverable, Noah. It still would have been the jet fighter of the, of, of the uh, um, 
of the Paleozoic. It would have absolutely been a terrifying animal. It may not have been able to reach 60 miles an hour, but if it could fly 30 miles an hour, that would be a terrifying notion. All right. Uh, this one comes from, oh, this is one. Of, and by the way, uh, Noah is a Patreon member. And this next one comes from, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, oh, oh, my, me- oh, my message dropped off. Oh, what a ripoff. They didn't put who sent this question. Oh, man. All right. For all my Patreon members, I'm going to read this question. Send me an email. Send me a message to your Patreon page and tell me who sent this so I can give you some recognition because it's a great question. What is the meaning of the various endings of dinosaur names like Terex, Saurus, etc.? Well, each one of those is usually Latin or Greek. Saurus in English means lizard or reptile. And I know that's confusing because I've said time and time again, dinosaurs are not the same thing as a lizard or a crocodile. They're not the same thing as a reptile. They're different. They have different legs. They have different bodies. They have totally different things. So why then does it name in, in lizard if it's not a lizard? Well, that's because when they were first discovered, when they were first discovered, scientists thought that dinosaurs were actually giant lizards. Well, when they discovered they're not, they continue to use Saurus sort of as a, that's kind of what they do. That's what they're used to. So they can do that. So all dinosaurs have a first and last name. So like Tyrannosaurus Rex, its last name is Rex. Its first name ends with Saurus. Stegosaurus Stenops is an example. Triceratops Horridus. Those words all mean something in English. They're, and again, those words are usually in Latin or Greek. And so Saurus means lizard. Uh, let's see, Don, like Iguanodon. Don means tooth. Uh, let's see, um, Triceratops means three-horned face. So tops means face in English. So they all have a different meaning. All right. Speaking about my friends, our Patreon club has grown gigantically. We have people from all over the world. Um, I just saw the Czech Republic. We've got brand new Patreon members from the Czech Republic, from Canada, from Australia, from New Zealand, all over the United States. And I'm so glad to welcome all of you. Our Patreon club is so much fun. We have meetings each month. If you are a T-Rex member, you even get to be interviewed for a podcast or your name gets, gets to be put in the hat to be chosen. We don't get to interview everybody because we have hundreds of Patreon members now. And I, would, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't interview everybody. So we put everybody's name in this little machine and it spins, this wheel spins. And if it lands on your name, you get the chance to be interviewed. Um, and you can join for as little as $1 a month. That's our Triceratops Club. You can join for $1 a month. And you in the Triceratops Club, you get one meeting each month. So for $1 a month, you get to join us for one meeting. And the meetings are a lot of fun. Or you can join for $5 and become a Raptor member. And if you do that, then we send you, when you join, we send you a little replica Raptor claw as a gift. And it's worth $5. And the good thing about these clubs is you can join for a dollar. 
or five, or you could become a T-Rex member. That's the top club. That's $10 a month. With that, you get a raptor claw and a T-Rex tooth, and you get a bunch of other cool stuff. Or uh, uh, you, get, you get things that the other members don't get. Uh, you get to do stuff. You get to learn about different things. It's kind of cool. Uh, and you also get to submit a who would win. But the good thing about the club is if you join and it's not what you like, you can, you can quit. There's no penalty. You can quit. You can also start with a dollar to see if you like it. And if you do, you can bump up to the next one or the next level. You can change levels. It's really cool. And it's a lot of fun. So let me play you a little bit of information about it. When we come back, who would win? Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. Put on your boxing gloves and get in the ring. Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird. Spinosaurus versus Triceratops. You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. Well, as always, we've got some great ones. Really good ones. These are always exciting. And I absolutely love, absolutely love answering these questions for you. So let's start with Sean, who sends in Dilophosaurus versus Utah Raptor. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, these are some brutes. These are some pretty heavy duty ones. But I've got to say that when you look at Utah Raptor, when you look at the weapons, when you look at the unbelievable, unbelievable athleticism and weapons, man, you're talking about, you're talking about Utah Raptor winning in every category, every category. I mean, that's a big, big dude. That's a big, powerful animal. So I'm going to have to say, without any doubt whatsoever in my mind, when it comes to Dilophosaurus and Utah Raptor, yes, Dilophosaurus is a powerful animal with, with big claws and, and, you know, big teeth. Man, he doesn't stand a chance against Utah Raptor. So the champion in this battle, Utah Raptor. Next comes William. William says, Megalodon, Mosasaur, Lyplorodon, and Plesiosaur in a four-way match to the battle. Whoa. William. Wow. All right, first of all, you can get rid of Plesiosaurus. That guy doesn't even show up to the battle. He's not crazy. There's nothing about a Plesiosaurus that's made for fighting. Yes, it's got sharp teeth, but those teeth are made for catching fish. Plesiosaurus is going to be smart and not even join this melee. Plesiosaur is getting out. In fact, 
plesiosaurs may have been capable of going on land, sort of pulling themselves out of the water like a sea turtle. That's where plesiosaurus went, onto the beach. Next, Liplorodon is so big, but it cannot turn very quickly. Megalodon is going to bite its flippers off in the first five minutes. Liplorodon's out of the fight. That leaves Mosasaur. We're going to say it's going to be Tylosaurus will be the Mosasaur because he's the big one. So Tylosaurus versus Megalodon. Well, first of all, Megalodon is already full because he's eaten four Liplorodon flippers. That was his lunch. So he's got a full stomach. The Mosasaur is still hungry. It was going to try to catch the Plesiosaur, but that thing got up and got out of the water. So poor Mosasaur's like, well, dude, what am I supposed to do? I'm left with a shark. Unfortunately for the Mosasaur, it has to come up to the surface to breathe every now and then. And Megalodon doesn't have to do that. And that's going to give Megalodon the complete advantage. In all four of these animals, William, Megalodon is going to come out on top. All right. A uh, little Kaya, and I think it's, unless it's Kai, but little Kaya, I think it's pronounced Kaya. I hope so. Um, little Kaya wants to know Ceratosaurus versus Utah Raptor versus Carnotaurus. Whoa, another three-way battle. All right, let's look at Ceratosaurus. It has the longest teeth compared to body size of almost any dinosaur. So right off the bat, it's got big, big th- Thin, blade-like teeth. Excellent for inflicting injury. Next, Ceratosaurus has four fingers on each hand, and its arms are relatively long. That gives it some pretty good advantage. And it looks like Carnotaurus, I mean, I'm sorry, Ceratosaurus even had armor on its back for protection. Little bony scoots for body armor. This guy's coming for a fight. This thing is in the ring, and he's not backing down from anything. So then we have Utah Raptor, speed, intellect, weapons, agility, power. Man, is that guy, that, that dinosaur and Ceratosaurus are pretty closely evenly matched. If there's one thing Utah Raptor has in its corner is it came along later and the later dinosaurs are going to have more, they're going to have better brains Because over time, the brains continued to get a little bit larger and they became a little bit smarter. So if it's got any advantage over Ceratosaurus, it's going to be brain. And then we have Carnotaurus. Now, this is definitely an armored dinosaur. I know that sounds crazy, but Carnotaurus has little pieces of bone embedded in the skin called scoots, just like Ceratosaurus. Carnotaurus may have had a little bit of body armor. So he's coming into this battle with a little body armor. Unfortunately for Carnotaurus, its arms don't, practically don't even exist. It can't use its arms for anything. They're tiny. Now, it does have kind of a short, stocky skull, which suggests that it's a little more powerful, maybe. And of course, it has those two big horns that it could probably ram and knock down the other dinosaurs. But I believe Carnotaurus is the first one gone from this battle. I just don't think Carnotaurus has what it takes to stay up with a Utah Raptor and a Ceratosaurus. So Carnotaurus is probably the first one gone from this battle. He just doesn't make it. And that leaves Ceratosaurus and Utah Raptor. One of the things Ceratosaurus does have that could have been a secret weapon was its tail. 
Its tail may have been more flexible, meaning that thing may have been an excellent weapon. If Ceratosaurus can land a smackdown hit to Utah Raptor, he can knock Utah Raptor off his feet. He can knock Utah Raptor down, and if it hits a Utah Raptor in the head with that tail, that may knock him a little cuckoo for a few minutes, and Ceratosaurus is going to pounce. But the other thing about Ceratosaurus that some scientists think Ceratosaurus may have been an aquatic dinosaur, meaning it may have been designed to live some of its life in the water. And if that's the case, then maybe being on land does not give it all the advantages that I think it's got. This is going to be tough, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give this fight to Ceratosaurus. I, I believe Ceratosaurus has what it takes to stick with a Utah Raptor, blow for blow, pound for pound, fight for fight. I give that to Ceratosaurus. Good question, Kai. Or Kai, Kai, Kaya? I think it's Kaya. No, I think it's Kai. Jeez, I'm so bad with names. Okay. Uh, Cadence. Stegosaurus versus Dromaeosaurus. I like this battle. I like this battle a lot. Stegosaurus towers over Dromaeosaurus, so size is in Stegosaurus's corner. One hit from that tail, and Dromaeosaurus isn't injured. He is split in half. One direct hit from the tail of a Stegosaurus, and Dromaeosaurus is split in half. Not a little poke, not an owie, a good night forever hit. But Dromaeosaurus has speed. Dromaeosaurus is so fast, it could sidestep anything. But Stegosaurus is so big that I would believe its skin was probably very thick. And even with Dromaeosaurus's speed and agility and weapon, I don't think its killing claw could go deep enough through the skin to really do anything other than hurt it. It's like if you ever had a baby kitten or a baby puppy and they bite you and their teeth are super sharp and it hurts, uh, but they're not going to eat you and they can't reach your heart. And they can't bite through your arm to get to your vein. Or they can't bite you on the neck to get to the artery. Because they don't have that kind of power. That's what I'm afraid is the situation with Dromaeosaurus. Cadence, I think Dromaeosaurus would not be able to inflict a lot of injury. So you might think, okay, what if it goes for the throat? Well, evidence suggests that Stegosaurus had body armor on its throat. Just like all the other animals I've talked about in this podcast who have body armor, dermal, play, dermal scoots, th that is an animal that may have had them on its neck. So its neck is protected. So I don't think Dromaeosaurus is going to stand a chance. Yes, it could, it could run circles around Stegosaurus, but it's never going to have the ability, in my opinion, to kill him. So I am going to give your battle, I'm going to give the victory to your battle to Stegosaurus. All right, Hugo and Reuben, Carcharodontosaurus versus T-Rex. Whoa, this is a pretty evenly matched battle, boys. This is a pretty good one. Carcharodontosaurus versus T-Rex. Man, brutes, big, powerful animals. The one thing that Tyrannosaurus Rex is going to have, two things. It's going to be its vision because its eyes are facing directly forward, and that's very helpful when you're in a fight. Because if you're Carcharodontosaurus, you got to keep turning your head sideways a little bit to see what's going on in front of you. 
that's a bad position to be in when you're in a fight. That would be like if you put blinders on and you could only see directly in front of you, but you couldn't see around you, you wouldn't know what's coming. Same thing with it. Because its eyes are looking a little bit to each side, it's having to turn its head to focus on where you are. And that gives T-Rex an advantage. So eyesight would be T-Rex's advantage. And then, of course, it's the power. And maybe even throw in brain capacity, thinking things out. I believe, although this would be a terrifying fight, and Carcharodontosaurus could definitely do some damage. And by the way, Owen in Arizona, if you're listening to this, I know you're going to be mad if I say Carcharodontosaurus is not going to win this battle, <laughs> but I'm going to have to give it to T-Rex. Okay, Hugo and Ruben also sent in Spinosaurus versus 60 people, including Dinosaur George. Hey, stop throwing me in these battles, you rotten kids. Would you guys stop throwing me in these battles? Why am I being attacked all the time? I'm not getting in the ring with the Spinosaurus, even if there's 59 other people. If Spinosaurus was challenged by 59 people and one coward, I mean one hero, that would be me, here's what would happen. Spinosaurus would be confused because he would look and see 59 people and one guy running around tripping everybody and knocking them over so they can't get up and run away. Spinosaurus is like, this is easy because 59 of you are knocked down and one of you is running to get in your car and drive away. Well, it's survival of the fittest in case all you want to know. So if you're laughing because you think I'm a coward because I ran away and I tripped everybody else, that's called being a hero, kids. I'm a hero. I went for help. That makes me that makes me a hero. Thank you all very much. I appreciate you all applauding and saying, "Wow, that guy's a hero." I better not hear any of you call me a coward or a chicken. Because I'm simply trying to survive. And here's the last one. Isaacy Packy Cephalosaurus. My buddy Isaac. Trilobite versus Dinosaur George. Okay, what is with this? Stop adding me to your fights. And why am I fighting a trilobite? Why, why am I fighting a trilobite? How is a trilobite going to defend itself? What's it going to do? Roll up into a ball? All right, so here's what happens. I approach the trilobite. It sees me. It curls up in a ball. I pick it up and I decide to throw it. Throw it as far as I can and win. So I throw the trilobite as far as I can. Unfortunately, it hits a tree limb, bends, and throws it back at me at lightning speed. It hits me in the head. I fall on the ground unconscious. The trilobite unrolls, crawls up on top of me, and screams, I am the greatest in the world! And a stinking trilobite knocked me out and won the fight. (laughs) All right, you guys, I'm going to take me a little breather. When we come back, I'm going to play an interview of one of our Tyrannosaurus members, so stick around. Would you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus club member. All right, a very long time ago, 
very long time ago, I met our next guest, which is JW. JW and I have been friends for a very long time. Um, and I was really glad once he joined the Patreon Club because it gives me the opportunity to see him more and talk to him more. So, JW, how are you doing, man? Great, George. And how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. You know, Texas just came out of a a deep freeze, unlike anything we're used to. Uh, yeah. It snowed here. I haven't seen, I've, I've seen snow twice in Texas, two times. And I've lived here since I started the second grade. So this is the only second time that I've seen it snow in Texas. And man, it was crazy. We We were not prepared for that. <laughs> so jw uh tell me about yourself first where where do you live um i live in i live in virginia in a a small in a city called woodbridge yeah which is sort of like it's sort of around the the dc area like say like 40 maybe 45 minutes not not that not that far right i grew up in maryland in suitland a town called suitland maryland that's where that's where i was when i when i discovered my love of dinosaurs was at the smithsonian institute so how how far back can you remember that you like dinosaurs when, when did it start for you hmm back when i would say maybe two three years old and um and how I got into dinosaurs was my first time watching Jurassic Park, the first one on TV. And um, I liked looking at all the different dinosaurs. And then I immediately, right when the T-Rex the scene was, was on, the T-Rex just looked so awesome. The roaring and the stomping around. I just fell in love with, that's how I fell in love with, with T-Rex. <laughs> well, you know, that's funny you mentioned that because... During my show prep, I always make notes of things that I want to ask, and I have sort of a template. And one of the questions I always ask everybody is, do you have a favorite dinosaur? And I just laughed when I saw that question for you because I went, look, I can already tell everybody who your favorite is, but tell us who is your favorite dinosaur? <laughs> yeah. It is the king. I mean, you've always liked her. And, and since you saw it on, on Jurassic Park, have have you ever lost any interest in t-rex or as you've gotten older has your interest grown in it not nope no t-rex dinosaurs and t-rex they've stuck with me my whole life never got out of it not <laughs> even not even once nope they stuck with me from that point and they're going to stick with me till the end of time <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> now do you have any brothers or sisters no so is there anybody else in your family that like dinosaurs, are you kind of the first one that ever loved them as much as you do? Hmm. As far as I know, I'm pretty much the only, the only one who likes dinosaurs, but um, I'm sure there's some other um, younger kids that um, in my family, but, but being just, um, you know, little kids, I'm not that, I don't know if they're like a hundred percent sure. Like, like if they're in that kind of area, like, like I was back then. <laughs> right. So, so from when you were young, you loved dinosaurs and, and you remember Jurassic Park as the catalyst that started for you. Um, I remember when I was probably three, maybe four, uh, we went to the Smithsonian and right. they used to have these big, they had two big sculptures out front. One was a Triceratops and I can't remember the other. I think it was a Tyrannosaurus. I don't think they're there anymore. But I can remember when I saw those, that was it for me. That was the moment for me. So I totally appreciate, you know, how you can recall 
what started you down the down the road of your love. Now, living in Virginia, do you ever get a chance to go to the Smithsonian? Have you been there to see their dinosaur exhibit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A bunch of times. And um, it's actually changed um, through the year. So um, so I think um, from like, say, like 90s to like, um, I want to say maybe maybe about when I was a junior in high school, it still remained the same. And but they also I think also in 2009, they've added um, an ocean exhibit, which um, I didn't see before. And they have a huge right whale statue on the ceiling and some other animal statues and some, some, um, what do you call them? Those, um, flat screen TVs where you see right. all the different kinds of animation and ocean life. It was right. really cool. Oh. And, um, so the fossil hall, so they had, so fossil hall, they had like three areas. They had like dinosaurs, the, creatures before the dinosaurs and the mammals. But then I want to say maybe in 2014, then they started closing down the fossil hall, but on the second floor, they still have, they went, they had what's called the last American dinosaurs exhibit. So it was the dinosaurs that lived in the hell Creek formation, T-Rex, Triceratops, and Admontosaurus, those guys. So that was more like a temporary exhibit. Right. But then in, uh, was it 2019? Yeah, I think 2019, in June 2019, then they reopened the fossil hall and it looks even, it looks even more amazing than ever. Really? <laughs> I mean, so, but now they, um, so instead of, they have a, we used to have the, a cast of Stan, the T-Rex. Right. So, so he's back at the Black Hills Institute. So now we have the, the nation's T-Rex, which was the, the Wankel. T-Rex from the Museum of the Rockies in Montana. Right. So now we have him eating um, a Triceratops carcass. Nice. How <laughs> and, cool. And um, it, 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 I, I love, oh, and also I love all these little, they have these little dioramas of all from all the different time periods. And right. they look magnificent. And I thought, what, would it be more, it would be more cool if um, they could, you know, make them like, you know, come alive. Yeah. Like make it move. Right. It's awesome. That's yeah, so I took, cool. I took, I took, I took Aaron, I took Aaron there to the exhibit. Um, I think twice. And the second time we went with, we went with my mom and she, I just love that. <laughs> I just love that exhibit. It's awesome. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned Aaron because, uh, Aaron is your girlfriend and right. she, you know, when I first met her, I don't, I don't know if I saw, any enthusiasm in dinosaurs necessarily because she wasn't a big dino fan initially. Right. No, <laughs> but now no. that you've, now that you've grabbed her and drug her around with you, she has no choice. She's starting to starting to find an interest in, 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 in paleontology. Right. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I pretty much go nuts on her like 24 seven. And my mom said, okay, if you're going to be dating him. <laughs> He's going to talk to you about dinosaurs, whether you like it or not. So, Aaron, do you like dinosaurs or do you just tolerate JW's love of dinosaurs? Well, I like them. I like them. I mean, not as much as he does, obviously, but <laughs> but yeah, I like them. They're good. They're, 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 they're good. Good. <laughs> good. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you've converted another believer, JW. So that's so cool. 
Now, one of the things uh, I wanted to ask you, because you love T-Rex so much, and and I, and I do too. I mean, I've got three Tyrannosaurus skulls in my exhibit, so I love them. And the the question I get from a lot of young people is always, was it a scavenger? Was it a Uh-oh. predator? Was it oh, yeah. both? So what what is your opinion on when you look at Tyrannosaurus Rex, what do you think about it? I, I believe it was it was both because, you know, something as big as a T-Rex, it seems really difficult for an animal that size to survive by just scavenging 24-7 because right. besides rotting meat, there's not there's not really that much nutrients in it because and um i also had this um 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 i guess a kind of a vision or, or kind of an idea so let's imagine like say there's gonna be a, a theropod barbecue in at say allosaurus's house <laughs> and there's gonna be there's gonna be all all theropods welcome t-rex the, the raptors and there's gonna be like there's gonna be hot dogs ribs steak and um, maybe sushi and fish for the, the fish eating dinosaurs. Okay. And every, okay. So when the food's all done, everybody's grabbing their plates, but T-Rex is not grabbing anything because he likes, he likes, um, he's grabbing meat, but he's going to take it back to his house, put it in the refrigerator and let it, you know, freeze overnight. Then tomorrow morning, he's going to open the fridge and then um, put it in the microwave. <laughs> so I me, mean, he doesn't eat, he doesn't like it fresh. So that's, <laughs> that's the you know the biggest problem with that is going to be how is he going to open the refrigerator with those little arms? Oh yeah, 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 and with his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I always, I always get, I, I get frustrated, which isn't the right term because uh, people that don't study them as much as you or I don't know as much as us, and so, right. but I do get frustrated, and especially to your point. The, the sheer size of that animal, <clears throat> anyone that's ever traveled in Africa or ever traveled anywhere where there's animals, it is actually rare to find an animal that has died that's yeah. still there. Right. And and with Tyrannosaurus, it would have to be that enough animals would be dropping dead within walking distance for it to stay alive. And that's just not realistic at all. That's not that's that's just not possible. Nah. And so I agree with you. I, I think if he comes across something that isn't completely rotted, he's going to eat it. Or if he smells a fresh kill that somebody smaller than him made, he's going to go take it. Right, right. But that dude's out there making a living, and that's that's what I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> All right, one of the things that I really like when we do our meetings is you always come to the meeting prepared. And what I mean by that is whatever the topic is, you always seem to have one of those collectible figures Oh, yeah. uh, of of whatever it is we're talking about. So I want to talk a little bit about your collection. You, you've you got a collection of all the different figures and stuff. How many of those things do you have? Do you have any idea? Oh, well, all I can say, it's a pretty big <laughs> number. Yeah, I don't, and- I don't want to start any trouble, but I think Aaron just mouthed the words too many behind you. <laughs> but I don't... I don't want to start anything. I, I'm not here to start problems with you two, but I'm telling you, she was like too many. <laughs> she she didn't do that. Let me say, let me say for the record, she didn't do that. But <laughs> so, do you have a favorite uh, manufacturer? Is there one particular group that you like to collect, or do you collect anything you anything you can find? Um, mostly the uh, the safari, mostly the safari. Um, Brand. I, I I think those are my favorite because those were actually my, one of my um very first um 
sort of scientific um, accuracy because when I was when I was little, they, there was this store called the Zany Brainy, and I'm not sure. Is, did you had that store? Yeah, I, I think I think the name. I'm almost certain there. It must have been a it must have been a franchise because I know they had multiple stores. Right. Yeah. So um, so they had so yeah Zany Brainy. That was like my first um, where I got I got two. Um, different dinosaurs. One was an Allosaurus. It was a green one where he's going like, Rah! Yep, had it. And the other one was a Saltosaurus. And then, and eventually, mom and I started going there multiple times. <laughs> and I got like, what else I got? And then I got like a green, a green T-Rex. I actually have him right here. Looks like this. Yeah, that's the original T-Rex. That's the original right. one. Yeah. But that was the first one that was accurate. Right. Because you're right to the to the to your, to your point, those that came the 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 figures. Well, there's a difference in my opinion between the toys and the figures. Toys don't really necessarily have to be anything accurate. I mean, how many yeah. times did you buy a bag of dinosaurs and there was a Demetrodon in every one of them? And so, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but then they started making these more accurate, scientifically accurate figures. And right. that safari was the first ones to kind of do that. And right. then there was a company called Batat and what Batat, a, yeah. and Papo or Papo. I don't know what that uh, Papo. Papo. Actually, I have a, I have a sort of a, um, Aaron's family gave me, um, a sort of a Papo, uh, T-Rex like for Christmas. Oh, nice. Oh, he's great looking. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that thing is cool. That's really cool. Yeah. What I like about him is those figures have become, much more scientifically accurate. Right. And it seems like every time a new species of dinosaurs is found, one of those releases a, a, a figure of it immediately. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? Like, um, um, recently. So, um, uh, yeah, this year in the Safari brand, they just released, um, the 2020 version of Spinosaurus, the one with the, the rudder. With yeah. The rudder. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, when we did our Spinosaurus lesson and we talked about the different, the different generations that thing went through. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't have my original Safari Spinosaurus. I wish I did. Oh man. yeah. I used to have that one too, but for some reason I think I lost it because when, um, when Jurassic park three was, was coming around the corner, I'm like, Oh, so that's what Spinosaurus looks like. And that honestly, the, the, the generation, the original Spinosaurus for some reason just didn't look that just didn't seem to interest wasn't that really cool it wasn't menacing it it, it had a skull like an allosaurid yeah it wasn't elongated and it just had a sail and it looked like a dimetrodon standing on its back legs yeah 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 yeah. that that's what i that's yeah Yeah. but then when jurassic park 3 came around the corner that i'm like oh yeah that one yeah that thing looks more cooler (laughs) and um and when smart and we'll say this i did get a little a little jealous about Spinosaurus, you know, after that scene where he killed the killed my beloved T Rex, and then he was, you know, Spinosaurus is the biggest carnivore. But then eventually, I softened up. But then when I started seeing your videos, um, and people asked who would win T Rex or Spinosaurus because of Jurassic Park three, but who would win in reality? And when you said T Rex is more powerful and he's got those jaws, he could re- easily beat up Spinosaurus. And I'm like, that made me feel much better. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't care. Yeah, Spiny, Spiny, you may be bigger, but you're not better than my T-Rex. Yeah. Okay? You know, <laughs> I, t- I, 
I, man. I tell people in that scene where it grabs that Rex by the neck and then you hear that snap. Yeah. In reality, that snap would have been the jaws of the Spinosaurus breaking in half. Right. They yeah. are not designed for that. No. So, but I, I will tell you this. I had a friend who worked with the animators from that show. And I know that when, or at least this is what I was told that they needed Spinosaurus to win. Right. Because it was all about the sale of merchandise because any kid or anybody, anybody that liked Jurassic park already had a Jurassic park Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh yeah. But like, they I didn't, had <laughs> right. But they didn't have a Spinosaurus. Right. Well, if, if T-Rex would have killed Spinosaurus, kids wouldn't have been motivated to go, Oh man, that's my new favorite dinosaur. So they literally had to make it kill Tyrannosaurus Rex in the hope that everybody would suddenly like Spinosaurus. But that kind of backfired. In fact, it made a lot of people very mad because they're like, hey, just because you listen, a giraffe is taller than an elephant. But if those two get into a fight, you think a giraffe is going to kill an elephant? Oh, a giraffe is too skinny, man. Exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I felt I, I understand your your frustration and I was I was getting so many people asking me about that. And, and there was two camps. There was the Spinosaurus camp and the T-Rex camp. But I saw over time that little by little, people kind of lost their interest in Tyrann. I mean, in Spinosaurus, because what they knew of him at that time was he just had that long snout and he looked really cool. But then as new discoveries were coming and as they kind of gone through all those different morphs of it, and now they have that close to the ground, big flattened tail looking yeah. guy. Um, to me, he's kind of lost some excitement. I mean, it's still cool. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now he almost looks like a mosasaur with legs. With legs and claws. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about spine. I mean, Spinosaurus is an amazing dinosaur, right. and I've I've got a skull of a Spinosaurus that is just so cool looking. But listen, you stand him next to that Rex skull, and you're like, lightweight, heavyweight, and you can clearly <laughs> see it. You could see it. So, Aaron, I want to ask you something. One of the things that JW was talking about one afternoon when we were we were talking is that, yes, you've accepted his love of dinosaurs, but you have some interest in your own stuff. And one of those was the original WWF, the, the World Wide, uh, or the, what was it, a World World, World Wrestling Federation. World Wrestling Federation. So, are are you into wrestling, and do you watch the modern stuff, or was it just the stuff in the past that you found interesting? Um, right now, I'm only into the like '80s and some early '90s, but I don't watch any of the modern stuff. I just like the stuff from that period, the WWF. Now it's WWE. They changed it, right? But back in the '80s, it was WWF. So, so. I mean, maybe eventually I'll get into the newer stuff, but for right now, I'm only into the older stuff from the '80s right. and some some early '90s, but mostly mostly '80s. So have you have you converted JW the way he's converted you with dinosaurs? Yeah, actually, nice. I have. <laughs> nice, very cool. So now, JW, what you've got to do is you've got to start having your your uh, world wrestling your cretaceous wrestling federation where now you've got to get your two dinosaurs to get into a wrestling match and Aaron can 
like so little masks so we can don't know who they are and you could get them to fight with each other. <laughs> well, yeah, come to come to think of it, come to think of it, you, when you do the when we do the 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 who will win segment, right? It is kind of like sort of similar to like you know yeah. the wrestling, yeah. <laughs> wrestling matches. And uh, when it, when people when when the kids ask you who will win, uh, Spinosaurus or or you, yeah. that's like, like that's putting that's like putting say Mean Gene Okerlund in with like um, me. <laughs> yeah these guys keep putting me in these scenarios where I'm, i had one I, I, I as a matter of fact let me see i saw it on my notes because in this podcast that i'm going to be recording let me see one of them said see if i can find it um here carcarodontosaurus versus tyrannosaurus and then spinosaurus versus 60 people including me why am I being thrown in the middle of these fights? I can't win. I can't even survive. One kid asked me, though, me against a trilobite. I'm like, oh, thank you. Maybe I can win one. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, what is why? Why am I being tortured? What did I do to deserve this? I thought I treated everybody pretty good. <laughs> so the last thing I want to ask you about, you posted. And one of the things I do want to I, I want to mention this. I love when you go post stuff to the Dinosaur George Kids page. Right. I, I enjoy that a lot. And I would encourage you to post anything you want because you're always engaged with people and you're always, and I love people to do that. I wish more people would post more things on that page so that more people can read about it. But right. um, one of the things that that you posted, which I, I laughed for probably three state days, is you and Aaron went to go to this museum thing where they had these life-size models of these animals and you were showing pictures of some of them tell us a a little bit about some of the inaccuracies you saw but let me say this up front and and i know you feel the same way even if they were inaccurate it doesn't matter they're fun and they're cool to look like but can you recall some of the inaccuracies you saw because i was laughing so hard especially i think it was the demeter okay so um so so one time it was Aaron and I, it was on our, our three-year anniversary back in July 18th. We went to this dinosaur park up in Winter, Virginia, and it's called Dinosaur Land. It's a very old park, like from the from the 60s. So it's Hey, really I'm from the 60s. Yeah, you're from the 60s. So <laughs> Don't say very old. Just say it was back then. Okay, back then. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so... Um, so they have, so they have like all these really old looking dinosaur models. So like, I think one of, one of the, one of the inaccuracies they have, they have a, they have a T-Rex, but, um, it's got, it's standing upright and it's got like three fingers, which is similar to, it looks like the T-Rex from, from Disney Fantasia. So there, there was that. And they also had a little baby. Um, oh, and also they have, uh, let's see what else they had. They have a Tylosaurus, a Mosasaur, but they it was missing the most important ingredient. What? The teeth. <laughs> it was it was a Mosasaur with no teeth. I'm like, where are the teeth? That's like the teeth is the icing on the cake, man. How could y'all forget the teeth? Well, that particular Mosasaur <laughs> was known for eating mashed potatoes. And so it, <laughs> 
it it only preyed upon mashed potatoes and that was its number one enemy. And so <laughs> that's why it didn't need teeth because it gummed everything to teeth. Yeah, and and uh, oh oh and one more thing and another thing another thing that was inaccurate was a protoceratops where its leg it its legs were sticking out like a it looked like a frog from if you look at it from the front view it looks like a frog. <laughs> legs were like really were splayed out. <laughs> I'm like that looks more like a uh how should I put it out? A, a protoceratops. A, a frog with a helmet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, JW, I I enjoy so much. I've enjoyed our friendship over the years and and I'm so happy for you and Aaron. Uh, you guys seem so happy and I'm so happy for you. Um Tell us a little bit, what would you like to say? Because people all over the world listen to this podcast. What would you like to say to anybody out there listening? Uh, what would you like to tell them? Um, well, so I'd say, I would like to say, if you have a big passion, if you're really interested in something, if you have a big passion for it, I'd say you just go right into it. Like, you know, when I got into dinosaurs, I I could not resist anything dealing with dinosaurs. So when I fell in love with dinosaurs, I stuck with it, never got out of it, and just kept going. But um, but um, just keep make. But if there's some things you don't know and you're really interested, keep asking questions, keep learning, keep um, you know, keep reading, and do some maybe try and do some extra activities and maybe some activities that involve your interests. So. And when you kids, when you kids want to decide if you want to go to college, try to like kind of figure out what exactly do you want? What like if you want to be a paleontologist, try to figure like try to figure out like most like to study more like because it's a big broad topic. Like there's paleobotany, which is the plant life, or um, do you like to study like just the geology or the fossils, or or do you like the invertebrates, or do you like the dinosaurs or mammals? So. Or, or, or if you want to be, or do you like to draw things? Do you want to be a paleo artist? Right. That's, that's, that's the kind of area that I'm sort of going into because when it comes to paleontology, I mostly like to study the behavior of, of the different animals. And I don't have, I don't really have like a, a restricted topic that I'm more into. Like, like say some paleontologists, they like to study like mostly the theropods and tyrannosaurs. I'm, I'm more more variety. So, and, oh, and I, I like to, I like to collect all these different toys because, um, what I like to do in my spare time is like create these little, little computer dioramas of, from all, all the different toy brands and like kind of animate them. That's nice. Why I really, yeah. Nice. Well, you're going to have to show us some of that. You're going to have to, yeah. you're going to have to post those on the dinosaur George kids page. Cause I would love to see those. That would be crazy. Cool. Well, listen, uh, JW, I've appreciated this so much. Thank you for taking time out. Aaron, oh, yeah, thank man. you for, for coming as well. And uh <laughs> man, I, I hope you I hope you enjoyed this. Oh yeah, yeah. this this was great, man. That was great. <laughs> Good. All right. Well listen, thank you guys so much. And uh for anybody out there, if you would like the opportunity to be interviewed, 
you've got to become a Tyrannosaurus member of the Patreon club. And so um, this that was my friend J.W., who um, is up there living in freeze country, as far as I'm concerned, because if it's anything colder than 70 degrees, that's too cold for me. All right. Thank you so much, buddy. All right. All right. Take care, buddy. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. JW, thank you for coming on and doing the interview. Thank you, Aaron, for joining him. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast on the amazing Smilosuchus. Please, please go out there and look up some pictures of Smilosuchus so you can see what that animal is like because it is a remarkably cool animal. For everybody out there, love to see our podcast growing and growing and growing. Make sure to tell your friends and families and neighbors if you've enjoyed the podcast because the more people that come on, the better it's going to be for all of us. By the way, on my next podcast, which will probably be out in three or four days, I am going to announce a special free lesson for anyone to join. It's going to be on Facebook. It's going to be on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. I will send out the date and time. You can simply join the live feed and I'm going to do a lesson free for everyone. So I'll be posting that. I'll I'll give you information about that on the next podcast. So please make sure and listen to the podcast. Uh, Keep track of all of them. Sign up to follow my podcast so that you always get notified of new uh, of new episodes. Okay. Take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Tell your family you love them, even though that's hard to do sometimes when you're young. You don't want to say, I love you, mom or dad, but you need to. And make sure to tell all of your friends if you like dinosaurs, this is the place to be. I'll see you guys. listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah, yeah.